This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. I just want to say before we jump into the message, two things. First off, um, I get to, I'm the youth pastor here at Gateway. My name's Josiah. You may notice every time like Mario comes out like five times in a message, it usually means that, there, it, that, that, that Tom's out, so Mario got moved up, and, and I have to come in and pick up all their slack. So um, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to cover their butts and give you something worth listening to for a change, right? So, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's, that's a joke. They're incredible. Um, I don't hold a candle to Mario. <laughs> I have him speak in my camp. So, um, anyway, all that to say, I'm the youth pastor here, if you couldn't have guessed already, and um, I am so excited for this camp that we're doing. It is, it is the snow blast. The theme is the family reunion because for the first time in two years, we're all going to be in the same room again. We have Mario back. We have the same band back coming back up. Um, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And so uh, I just, I know some of you have got to look in and see us meeting in here on Wednesdays. This room is, is getting fuller and fuller. It's really exciting. Um, but all that to say, I just want to say thank you for letting me be your youth pastor. Like, well, thank you for keeping me on here because it's a privilege and an honor to get to do what I do for, for, the, for the youth in this community. So thank you. All that to say, um, we're starting a new series this week called Healing Broken Relationships, and it's a study of the book of Philemon. I know, when I think of good sermon series, I think Philemon is the number one book, right? Like, that's the one I'm going towards. But as I got to dive into this, I'm like, dang, Tom's on to something, because this book is, is deep. This book is good. And so we're going to jump into it this, uh, this morning. And, um, and in terms of broken relationships, uh, I think now we're at an interesting spot where we've, we've been through kind of a rough couple years, haven't we? As a, as a culture, as a society, as a church, um, as a country, I just believe that there are a lot of things that have taken place around us, and um, as a result, a lot of that has ended up in being broken relationships. Um, I've, I literally, I, I know a few people who, there's daughters who are no longer talking to their fathers. There are sisters and siblings who will no longer talk to one another. There are uh, uh, churches who, who disagree so heavily that they don't even want to be affiliated or associated with one another, and it's, it's heartbreaking. And so I think as a church, we need to look around and say, it's our job to heal this, right? It's, it, we're, not, we're not called to just sit on our hands and say, well, that's just the way it is, right? No, no. We're called to step forward, move forward, and heal this thing. And so um, some of you may, may think to yourself, you know, I've, I've got a personal relationship that's been broken. I've got a work relationship that's been broken. Um, church relationships, uh, family relationships, it could be a, a coworker, whatever it is, uh, there, there are relationships in our lives that we try to preserve, and a lot of times we end up finding ourselves at a crossroads with somebody, and, and in our culture right now, it's saying, if that person doesn't agree with you, cut them out of your life. And that's not biblical. It just straight up isn't. Um, now, there, there is a, like, I will say that uh, in this sermon series, there is going to be probably the discussion of when to stop actively inviting someone into your life. Uh, when is, where's that line? We're not going to hit on that today, but as far as today, we're going to talk about as if everybody should be invited back into your life or you back into their life. And the question is, is like, 
Is COVID the cause? I think that's like, let's just get the elephant out of the room. Is COVID the cause of these broken relationships? The answer to that is no. Broken relationships have been around forever. I mean, brokenness has been around forever. Now, what COVID has done is it's put us in a place of vulnerability with each other, with our friends, with our families. Um, and it's exposed maybe some wounds that we maybe didn't even know that we had. Um, and in those wounds, we've allowed division to take place. And I don't know if you guys know this, but like when we're at our most vulnerable, that's when, that's when the enemy attacks, right? Like it's when you're starving and hungry that all of a sudden you get that whiff of like a McDonald's french fries that, that they pump out into the street. I swear they're doing it on purpose. And you're like, oh, I'll just pull over real quick, right? And you get yourself, that's a moment of vulnerability. You don't need to do it, okay? They're taking advantage of you. Or my kids, my goodness, it, I can wake up after an 11-hour sleep. I feel great. I've got my coffee. I feel wonderfully rested. And they don't say anything. They're, they're, little, they're little blessings. But then always it's like my mother-in-law's coming to town, and my socks got wet when I took the trash out, and I have a migraine, and everything is dirty in the house, and we got to get it on. I'm all stressed out. And that's the moment when my daughter comes in and is like, hey, Dad, I spilled paint on my carpet, right? Like, it's like, you chose this moment to tell me that. Like, this is, I, I already want to die, and now you're telling me that you've done this on top of this. It's these moments of vulnerability where it's like, if something happens, I'm going to lose it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to snap, and I'm going to lose it. And that's always when the enemy strikes. Don't believe me? When does the enemy attack Jesus? Directly. It's when he's being tempted in the wilderness, Right? Jesus has not eaten, he is hungry, he is thirsty, he is lonely, he is out in the wilderness by himself, probably sleeping horrible on like rocks and stuff, and then all of a sudden that is the moment of vulnerability where the enemy says, this is where I'm going to strike, this is when I'm going to, this is when I'm going to poke this, this is when I'm going to try to infiltrate, if, I, if there's ever a moment in Jesus' life where he was vulnerable, this was it, outside of the cross itself, right, this is his most vulnerable moment. Obviously, we know, or you may know if you've, if you've been around the church for a while, that Jesus withstands that temptation. He does not give in and um, sets the example for us of how we're supposed to live. But all that to say, I believe that COVID is not the cause of broken relationships. It has exposed our vulnerabilities. It's made us vulnerable and put us in a spot of saying, um, if one more thing happens, I'm going to snap. I'm going to lose it. And a lot of times, that one more thing was your family member inserting their opinion at Thanksgiving, right? A lot of times, it was that kid who thinks that they know more than their parents or vice versa. It's, it's, it just is. It's exposed our vulnerabilities. And so, Philemon is a story. It's a book about reconciliation between two people. And that's, there's these two characters named Philemon and this man named Onesimus. And I hope I'm saying that correctly. If I'm not... I'm going to say it incorrectly for the rest of the day, okay? So here's the deal. Um, I'm just going to give you, since I'm kind of like opening up this series, we're going to, I'm going to give you an overview of the book of Philemon because it's a big one. Um, and that was a joke. It's one chapter long. In fact, this is the entirety of the book. <laughs> so if you ever, you remember like back in, in elementary school, your teacher would be like, go pick a book from the library, write a book report. This was the book I would have chosen, right? Like just one chapter or one paragraph. I've literally written emails uh, longer than this. And yet, um, when, when Tom was like, we're going to do a, a study of Philemon, I'm like, a study of what? So like there's like 
three lines, right? And then he's like, no, we're going we're gonna to pull out a lot of different conversational points about healing broken relationships. I was a bit skeptical until I started reading. And I'm like, man, the word of God is rich. Like we could spend a year on Philemon, honestly. But today I want to give you just a quick overview. So Philemon is a slave owner. And he's a Christian slave owner, which you're like, huh? Right? Like, that's like, how does that work? Right? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. And he has this slave named Onesimus. Onesimus wrongs Philemon, essentially. And what it's, what it's I mean, predicted he did was stole from Philemon. He stole something, got caught in the act, or at least was, Philemon was informed about it. And then Onesimus fled and ran away. As he fled, um, obviously, Philemon has every right to call him back or imprison Onesimus. Well, Onesimus meets up with a guy named Paul, who's in prison at the time. Well, he's, at, he's actually on house arrest at the time. And he meets up with Paul and is converted, much like uh, um, Paul was in, in his own story. He, he was a man on the run and kind of doing his own thing. Well, same thing here with Onesimus. He, he, he goes, he gives his life to Jesus. He, he decides he wants to follow him. And so in this moment, he has the option. He could either stay hiding, probably never go back to Philemon, and honestly, probably could get away with it. Or he could do what is right and what is biblical and try to mend the broken relationship between him and Philemon. And so what happens is Paul writes a letter on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon. He hands this letter to, Philemon, or to Onesimus and says, carry this and deliver it directly to Philemon. And that's what the, that's what the letter is. Now, it's interesting to note also that Paul is also writing to the Colossians at the exact same time as he's writing this letter. So you'll notice a lot of the concepts actually go hand in hand. Um, and in, uh, in our other weeks, we might not quote directly from Philemon very much because it is just short. Um, but we'll pull from other portions of what Paul is writing that he writes about that we need to be, be doing here. And so um, a couple quick notes on, on the book before we uh, kind of explain what exactly where, where it wraps up. So one thing that you may notice, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to read this, you could literally read it, you know, in one bathroom break if you, if you bring your phone in with you, right? It's, it's short. Um, as you read this, I, I'm going to encourage you, read it every day. Just read it once a day while we're going through this series. You may notice that there's not a lot of, like, um, deep emotion. There's not a lot of uh, deep imagery in that way. There's not a lot of, like, metaphors and symbolism, um, what there is, it's pretty straightforward, but that's also not lacking here because Paul is very much alluding to his other writings in which he does a lot of that explaining of saying, here's the meat to these bones. So he, it's very like bare bones, but at the same time, if you know Paul's heart, you can kind of understand more what he's saying. And the second thing is this, while Philemon was a slave owner, slave, slavery was, was much different at this time than it was like when we think of slavery. And, um, and so it's, I don't want to like, I don't even want us to equate the two because they're very different. So I, I, I could say it, but version, uh, which is a great study tool, they, they wrote it out like this. Um, and I'm just going to read it to you directly. So slavery in the Bible was not based exclusively on race. People were not enslaved because of their nationality or the color of their skin. In Bible times, slavery was based more around economics and it was a matter of social status. People who sold themselves as slaves, or people sold themselves as slaves when they could not pay their debts or provide for their families. And in the New Testament, sometimes doctors, lawyers, and even politicians were slaves to someone else. 
Some people actually chose to be slaves to have all of their needs provided for by their masters. So um, imagine uh, you, you have a large debt to somebody. You could either A, go to jail, or you could become a servant and a slave to this person. That's more of the symbol. So in a lot of ways, think of like a ranch hand. Uh, they, they're there. They eat your food. You provide from a bedding and lodging. Um, it's much less of the American slavery system that was um, incredibly bad. And so um, now, because Onesimus had wronged Philemon, Philemon had every right to basically throw Onesimus in jail. Um, he had every right to punish and imprison him. But Paul writes, hey, I want you to not only forgive him, but I want you to elevate him to a place of brotherhood because he's found Jesus, because he's given his life to Christ. He, he, it, it says it this way. Basically, this partnership that you and I have, Philemon, I want you to extend that partnership out to Onesimus. And I want him to be like a brother to you. And it's, it's pretty unheard of to do that. Um, it's grace that is not um, extended very often. And he begs this. He, imbe- he begs him to embrace him as a brother. He doesn't tell him he has to, but he says, please, I am pleading on behalf of everything that I love. Please do this. And then, to wrap it all up nicely... We have no idea what Philemon does because they never answer it for us, right? Like, that's the end of the book. It just ends. He's like, so please do this. Bye. And then it's over. That's the book. And so we, uh, many people believe Philemon does go on to, uh, you know, forgive Onesimus in this situation, but we don't get the answer, which I actually think fits in pretty well with what we're going to talk today. And so as that's kind of the outline of the book, and that's kind of how it's laid out, uh, I want to look into this story of Philemon and look at the heart of Paul and some of his writings today. And I get the privilege of talking to you guys about kind of what the foundation should be when we want to heal a broken relationship with somebody. And I'm going to just say this now. Everything I say, um, I'm not in your situation. I'm not in your life. And so take, with, take it and apply to yourself much like we can this book. Uh, but also, I understand that there are outlying circumstances that are out of our control. And so, um, this isn't the one and only way to do it, but this is what I believe Scripture calls us to do. And so, before we talk about that, let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll jump into this. So, Lord, I just pray that as we, as we jump into this, this topic, that, Lord, you would, um, that your voice would be heard, and that you would give me the words to say, and you would prepare the hearts in this room to listen um, to what it is they need to hear and not all the fluff that I put in there as well. So, Lord, we love you, and uh, just bless this time. Use it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, um, love is what I get to talk about today. And love is something that um, I love talking about. It's always kind of an easy one to write on, but it it is the foundation for healing a broken relationship. So, you guys may have heard the statement, like, God is love, Right? And why do Christians say that? Well, because scripture often, scripture often talks about this like unattainable, or not, not unattainable, unlosable, uh, unequitable, infallible love that God has for us. And this love comes down from heaven in the form of a man named Jesus, or in God, man, Jesus, who comes down and dies on our behalf because of the love that he has for humanity. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us. That love was the motivation that drove Christ through his life. And because of that love, 
Christ creates a, bri- a bridge between humanity. So humanity's here, God is here, and the only way to get to God for a long time was through a sacrificial system of offering animal sacrifices to God, praying over these sacrifices, and asking for atonement. Jesus comes in and changes all the rules and says, listen, I am the, the, I am the atonement of sins. I am the sacrifice. Because of my love and because of my perfection, um, you can now have relationship with God directly to the source. And that's beautiful. And in Philemon, it's interesting because uh, Paul, in all of his letters, lays that out. Almost kind of like I just did, he basically just says a quick version of the gospel to each of the churches that he writes to. This is pointed out, um, if, you, if you guys don't watch them, uh, the, uh, the, the Bible Project has a great little videos on each of the books of the Bible. So go watch it for this one because it's really good. But they're talking about how Paul, in this story, doesn't lay out the gospel in the way that he normally does. In fact, what he does is he lives out the gospel by being the Christ figure between these two men. So Christ is the bridge that gets humanity to be in relationship with God. Paul stands in the spot of saying, Philemon, I'm going to be the bridge that helps you have relationship with Onesimus. It's beautiful, beautifully written. And as he starts in verse 8, it says this. Paul says, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. And that line, the basis of love, is life-changing. Like, that's the difference. He's basically saying, like, I could tell you what to do. I have rank here amongst the Christian church. I could tell you to release them, and and you should obey me, and if you don't, it would be bad. (laughs) But he says, I'm going to appeal to you, and I'm going to give this to, I'm going to let this be your choice on the basis of the idea that I love you. And my question would be this, is, is like, when we are trying to mend a broken relationship, do we appeal to the people on a basis of love? Is that always like the thing that, and I, let me just tell you this, I am speaking to myself more than anybody else. Do we appeal to people on the basis of love or do we appeal to them on the basis of, I know the facts and you don't? Or I am your father, so you need to, you need to respect me, right? I've don't do that, by the way. It works. It's so nice to be able to pull that out of my kids sometimes, like, because I'm your dad. That's why you need to go do right. But is that the basis for really, like, telling somebody what to do? Is it the basis because I don't want my pride to get hurt? I see a lot of people and myself going into conversations with people, and that's their, that's their motivation. Or even worse, because I can't admit that I'm wrong. Because that would be, that'd be hard. No. It says, on the basis of love, we should appeal to one another. What he's saying to Philemon is this. I can't change your heart. I can't undo the sins of Onesimus. I can't force you to think in any way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to appeal to you on behalf of the thing that we both have, that was given to us by God, that we both know we don't deserve, yet we get it from God anyways. So if you're going to accept that grace, I'm going to ask you, on the, in the name of that love, that you would extend that grace to an isthmus. On one line, he says all that. And here's the truth. Before we, we, before we begin the process of restoration or healing a broken relationship, we need the person that's sitting on the other side of the table to know that you love them. You need to appeal on the basis of love, saying, listen, I love you so much 
that I'm willing to sit down and be uncomfortable and be vulnerable and hurt and cry with you because I love you, not because I want to prove that I'm right. That's the first step. It's interesting to note um, that he not only vouches for Onesimus, but Paul actually puts the burden upon himself. Let's listen to this. It says in, in verse 17, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand and I will pay it back. Again, that's Paul playing this Christ figure between these two people. And so when he says this, I appeal to you on the basis of love, it's important to know, well, what does Paul view love as? Because I love my wife, I love my kids, and I love Taco Bell. (laughs) right? Like, what does that mean to love in the basis of love? Like, do you love the idea of this person, or do you actually love this person? And so, it's important to know where Paul stands on that. And so, let's read this together. This was in, um, how many of you have ever been to the wedding where they read the classic, like, wedding verse, the Corinthians verse? Can anybody say the first line? Love is patient, right? Yeah, it's, it's all, it's, it's, there's not, there's, non-Christian weddings that read this verse at their wedding, right? Like they just, we are obsessed with reading this verse at weddings, right? We put it on our cards and our coffee cups and we put it in papyrus font and we put it on the napkins at the wedding, right? We're obsessed with it. And I often feel like it's so used that it's almost become saturated and it's lost some of its value. And so today, let's look at the context of what Paul is saying when he says that verse in order to understand it. He's writing in the church in Corinth. And the church is, is scrambling after Jesus has ascended, and they're like, how do we worship? How do we do baptism? How do we do all these sacraments? Should we baptize kids as babies? How do we handle all these different things? And, and, and they're, they're starting to have all these secondary issues that are becoming the forefront of who they are, and they're literally dividing because of it. They're saying, we can't align with this church because they do it this way. Oh, we can't align under Paul because he speaks to this group of people. Should we talk to the Gentiles? Should we only talk to the Jews? Are the Romans included in this? Are we supposed to talk to the Philistines after all these years? Like, the church is scrambling and they don't know. And what Paul sees is they're going to split. There there are cracks and there is brokenness that's taking place and they're going to divide unless we say something. So he goes in, in the midst of a struggling church, And he says this, love, the love that Christ gave you, you guys need to give to one another. That needs to be the foundation upon which everything else is built. Once you establish that love, then you can move into debating these topics, these secondary issues that shouldn't be dividing us. Because if you know that the person loves you and that you're united in this love and you're sharing in this love that Jesus gives down to you, then what do you have to worry about? You're, You're allowed to disagree on things as long as you know that you are rooted in love. And then he reminds them, this is what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. And it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrong. It does not delight in evil. And it rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts and always hopes. It will always persevere. Love never fails. It's different when you know the context, right? It it, it sounds different. 
And the truth is, church, if we're going to try to heal broken relationships with any desire besides what we see in that verse, it's going to fall short. It will fall short and it will fail. But love never fails. Um, if you go into a res- if you go into conflict resolution, but you're lacking patience, and you have harsh words and a boastful heart, or if I have a hurt pride and I'm looking to sabotage the person on the other side of the table, it's not going to be healed. You will leave the room with more cracks and more fissures and more canyons between the two of you. Healing will never take place. We must. Before we even get into the topic of what the discussion is, we must say, on the basis of love, I need to talk to you. On the fact that I love you and I care for you and you're this role in my life, I appeal to you that you would at least listen to me and have a conversation because of the love I have for you. And there's two things that we must do in order to appeal to people on the basis of love, and they're this. First one is this. As a church, we must do our part. Do your part. Don't wait for the other person to come around. Don't wait for the other person to apologize. Do your part and take responsibility for your actions, my actions. We must be like Christ and approach the conversation with love being the basis, which may mean that we need to take some time before we have the conversation. Don't rush into it. Wait. Prepare your heart before this conversation takes place. We must prepare our hearts, our words, and pray that God would just pull us in and give us the grace and the love and the patience and the peace and all those things that Paul talks about here. We need to receive from God first before we plan to go in and have those conversations with people. And here's the hard part. We must know that this is going to require us to be vulnerable. It's going to be requiring us to put ourselves out there, take a chance, and maybe look like a weaker person because of it. And that's okay. Whether we're apologizing to someone or we're accepting an apology from someone or just settling differences of opinions, um, we need to do it. Philemon, sorry, you might feel like you're Philemon and um, if you have a scenario like that, maybe you're you're Paul to, to, to Philemon and you need to step between two parties and you need to be the thing that unites two parties. I don't know. I don't know. We need to place ourselves into this story and take note because I believe it really applies to us. So we must do our part. And the second thing is this. We must trust that God will do his part. And this is the hardest one. I often find myself in this spot of saying like, okay, I'm ready to apologize and then you go and you apologize and the person's not ready to accept that apology. The person's not ready to, or vice versa, they're apologizing to you, whatever, whatever it may be. We must trust that God is going to do his part in their heart. Because like Paul said, we can't shape their hearts. We can't change your mind. I'm going to just appeal to you, but with every appeal, there could be a no, might be the answer. That's the hard part. I'm going to welcome the worship team up here. Um, waiting for people to hear God is, is difficult. And the truth is that we may need to reach a spot where we're looking at them and we're saying, okay, I'm ready to say this, I'm ready to do this. And in that prayer that I was talking about, in that preparation, we need to be praying, God, may they be willing to hear what I have to say. May they be willing to accept the forgiveness I'm asking for. May they be willing to understand the place that I'm coming from. 
And the truth is, um, maybe you want to finish this Philemon series, and you're going to say, okay, I want to hear all the different ways that we can heal broken relationship. But some of you, if you're feeling that inkling on your heart right now, get out of service, pull out your phone, and you need to call the person. You need to say, hey, I said some things. Or, hey, I know you said some things. Or, hey, we both said some things, right? <laughs> on the basis, on the idea that I love you, can we please meet? Can we please continue this conversation? Because I love you. And because I know that we serve a God who loves you. The other hard part is that sometimes people may not be at that spot with God. And I just, I do believe that God will use your proper living out of what Paul calls us to, that, that love that he describes, if we live that out, it not only will heal the relationship with us, but it will paint a great example of what we're called to be for God, as these beacons that love and extend grace. And so that's it. That's the basis, that's the foundation for this series. On the foundation of love, let's then move forward and heal broken relationships. Can we stand and I'll pray? Dear Jesus, we're so thankful for the mercy and the grace that you give us, Lord. We're undeserving people that accept grace from you. We accept love from you because of the love that Christ had for us, because he died for us. And so, Lord, I pray as we go about our lives, we wouldn't just accept that grace and then hold on to resentment towards people. But, Lord, we would accept that grace and emulate it to everybody around us that we would appeal to the people in our nation, appeal to the people in our communities, our neighbors, our friends, our family, on the basis of love, let them know that before we get into the, the nitty-gritty, before we get into the secondary topics, love is the thing that's driving the conversation. Let that be us in this world and in this life. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.